good morning. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Uh, happy holidays to you. I know. I'm excited. This morning we're going to meet Santa at the uh, Hyatt brunch. This morning we're taking Leo and one of his friends and my father-in-law and me and my wife are going to the Hyatt and uh, it's going to be great. It is going to be phenomenal. Leo loves Santa Claus, which I am I am very happy about because I think it was maybe two years ago he was scared to death of Santa. Last year he didn't know what to make of Santa. He was like cautiously optimistic about Santa, but now he loves Santa. When we went on that Polar Express thing at the Medina Railroad Museum last week, he was just... I mean, when Santa came in, Leo, like, lit up, got up and stood on his chair and started just, like, screaming his Christmas list at Santa Claus. <laughs> Maybe that might be a problem, too, but um, but it was it was it's great. You know, it's it really is mostly great how <laughs> much he loves Santa Claus. And we're going to go see Santa today. So Leo and I went to Eastview Mall this week also. We had a boys' night, and we went shopping and saw Santa there as well. And I asked Leo, I go, do you want to wait in line and get a picture with Santa? And he says, no. I said, oh, do you want to see Santa? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And I go, okay, well, I'll just, I'll pick you up and you can just kind of peek at Santa from over the crowd. So I picked him up and he peeks at Santa and it's loud and I can't really hear. And he starts like yelling or something. And as I pull him back down, I, I can make out what he's saying. And he's saying, he's saying red pickup truck and target delivery truck. And he's just like listing the things that he wants for Christmas. <laughs> he's just like, sees he sees Santa Claus very transactional right now, I think. I think he sees it as like, when I see Santa, I need to utilize that time wisely to get my shopping list communicated to him. <laughs> so anyway, very fun. Very, It's going to be a fun morning. I'm, I'm excited about that. A little tired this morning because of course of staying up late last night for that phenomenal football game. Woo! Dolphins are for real, you guys. I mean, I thought that the – I honestly, going into the season, I thought the Dolphins were going to be like the Chihuahua kind of nipping at the heels or the ankle, excuse me, nipping at the ankle of the uh, Bills. But I feel like the Dolphins are pretty legit. You know, they're a piece or two away. They might be – they need another year or two for the team to gel. They're like the Bills from a couple of years ago. Nonetheless, the Bills are a really good team too with a few great years ahead of them. And uh, the Dolphins are going to be their divisional rival. I hate to say it. Jets look like they're getting better too. Patriots can kiss ass. Get the hell out of here. Finally, they're going to have some down years. But uh, no, a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of bitching on Twitter about the refs. Two things. First of all, I don't blame the Dolphins for bitching about the uh, snowballs. I would have too. I thought the snowball thing was kind of funny at first for the first Bills touchdown. But then after that, it became, especially if I was the other team and you were pelting me with snowballs, I would have said something too. I don't blame them for that. And then the second thing is bitching about the refs. The refs might have won you that game. Okay, I'll explain. Yes, I will explain. Thank you. Thank you for it. Okay. Are you 100% positive Josh Allen broke the plane on that two-point conversion? Mm-hmm. I'm not. Maybe he did. Maybe by a millimeter. But remember, the call on the field was a fumble. And there has to be clear and irrefutable evidence to reverse the call on the field. Was there clear and irrefutable evidence that he broke the plane? I don't think so either. So the refs handed you the game with the two-point conversion. Granted, there was a couple minutes to play. Who knows what would have happened? But giving them that two-point conversion changed that game greatly. And I'm not 100% sure it was the right call. So if you want to complain about the refs, just remember they might have won the game for it. Plus, there was a couple defensive pass interference and defensive holding plays. I feel like that's gotten worse than ever now. And most teams are just kind of doing it on every play. And 
there's they're they're like negotiating almost with the referees every single game how much are you going to let me get away with because there's contact all the way down the field now on every play you know and so anyway i don't know so um this will be little announcement it's be the last podcast for a couple of weeks we're going to take next sunday it is christmas day after all and the sunday after that that is new year's day after all we're going to take both of those days off, and um, we will uh, resume then, I guess, the week after that. I am actually going on a 40th birthday cruise in late January, too, so I don't know what the schedule will be like for that, but the um, cruise uh, is uh, scheduled to, it's sort of a 40th birthday celebration, but also my 40th birthday isn't actually till March, so I will... Uh, not going to actually do a party or anything in Rochester, but just go out to dinner with my wife. But the, the cruise is really the, the celebration. It's my 40th and my mom's 70th. And I think it's my aunt's 60th. Uh, yeah, all in the same year, basically. So we're kind of doing a combination uh, celebration there. Um, I want to spend some time also talking about I've been thinking about this a lot this week. What makes a good boss versus a bad boss? I've been kind of reflecting and taking notes. I did some Googling, read some lists. Um, my own thinking, I've asked a few people I trust, and I've come up with like a definitive top five. And I'm sure, I'll, you know, I'm leaving something out in your mind. But I want that'll be the bulk of the podcast today. But um, also I did want to take just one second and comment on, because I didn't last week, and I did take a little shit for it, which I don't. I appreciate you guys because I think I said I was going to do this, is comment on the Bill Moran podcast because I did manage to listen to the first episode. I was very excited to listen to the first episode. I listened to it um, that very first day that it came out. And, uh, you know, it was it, – Bill's a great – he's great at radio, man. It's, he, if you've listened to my podcast for the last couple of years, you know that I've always said he's pretty damn good at radio. You know, there was a little bit of a bait and switch maybe on the content. It's like, hey, I'm going to tell you why I leave radio, why I left radio. And then it's like, the first time, not this time. <laughs> you know, little, I was, you know, but I also didn't actually expect him to talk about why he left radio this time. So I guess uh, I wasn't overly disappointed by that. Um, then he interviewed Dave Kane, who I am aware of, but didn't really know much about. I think he was a he was the music jock on WCMF for like years and years and years, right? The midday music jock. So um, didn't really resonate with me. Classic rock DJ in a city I didn't grow up in. I know he's like a legacy guy here, but I don't really, I didn't know much, you know, about him or anything. So I, I honestly didn't didn't finish that interview. It's nothing personal against Dave Kane. I just didn't really know who he was. I guess. I mean, I know who he is. I don't want to say that because that sounds dickish. I know who he is and why it would be important to interview him. I just, for whatever reason, my my paths never really crossed with him uh, as a fan or as a friend. And so it just, anyway, moving on. Um, but yeah, no, I see he's doing a podcast every day. I think that's great. Um, he's. I obviously try to make a living with it too. I heard some ads on his podcast. That's great as well. Um, I decided not to go down that road really early on because I saw that that was going to make me beholden to my advertisers. And also, it was going to make the whole thing work trying to sell ads. So I've actually turned down a couple of ads on this podcast just because I didn't want any content regulation. Um, he's not going to really get that from the, and I don't, again, I, I haven't heard beyond just the first episode, but 
Um, he's not going to get content regulation from the advertisers he has, I don't think, because what I heard was the airport who comes in through an agency, uh, who and the agency happens to be run by a guy who really loves Bill Moran. Um, so that won't really be a problem. And then I think the other one was Jimmy Z, who, uh, again, I think just personal sort of friend of Bill Moran. So um, probably content moderation or regulation won't be an issue for him. Uh, but if he wants to make a living out of it, it will be, because he's going to have to bring in more notable advertisers it's just um how much can you charge for an ad on a podcast you know i don't know especially a local one going towards a a small niche audience in one small little market like rochester it just feels i don't what i'm trying to say is i hope i'm proven wrong i don't know if you can make a living at it and you might be saying well paulie you're just being negative but i'll explain actually where that comes from um and i think i've mentioned this before but when i knew i was going to leave radio it was oh we have a guest star on the podcast hello how are you doing this morning leo great are you going to go visit santa claus this morning yeah what are you going to ask santa for uh i gotta tell santa i gotta tell mommy what i want you gotta tell mommy why don't you tell me you want to tell the podcast people on the microphone here? Yeah. I want a red pickup truck, a, a Target delivery truck, and a little matchbox, yellow flatbed truck. Oh, a flatbed. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, dude. Well, we're going to go see Santa in a little bit. You're going to get to sit on Santa's lap. Daddy's going to drink mimosas. It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, where were we? Sorry. Um, he's so freaking cute, isn't he? Oh my God. He's the love of my life. I don't even know how we created that. So what was I saying about trying to make a, oh, 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 I know what it was. It was about how, why I would know a little something about whether or not you can make a living doing a podcast. So when I knew I was going to leave radio, I started to go to all of my business mentors and I started to say, look, I have three ideas of what to do next. And they were three pretty focused ideas. Idea number one was that I would do what I ended up doing, which was that I would start a manufacturing facility and start, you know, sort of utilizing my skills and my knowledge to help entrepreneurs launch sauce and condiment brands. So that's what became reality. And that was always number one on the list. Number two on the list was to start a podcast network. Yes, because it was the same thing. I thought, well, let me use my knowledge and skills to kind of see if we can make podcasting financially viable for people as a living. Um, And I just, I got advice from two former legendary broadcasters in town um, and one other businessman, no, two other business mentors. So I got a good handful of, I did not get one single person tell me that the startup podcast network thing was a good idea, or at least that it was, we'll put it this way, not that it wasn't a good idea, but that it wasn't a uh, commercially viable idea. But times are changing uh, in the good and the bad way. The, the good way that times are changing is that more and more people are aware of podcasts. And it's the, the most popular form, I think, now of listening to anything is the on-demand, when I want, you know, mostly or, or entirely ad-free. The bad part is... Listening audiences have become so fractioned, you know, it's so niche at this point that anything, any podcast, I mean, this one, like, what did my podcast, I just saw my stat, 
and I love telling my stats because I, you know, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I'm going to just put it all out there. I've always been very transparent with you, haven't I? I got, oh, come on. Sorry. I'm going to tell you exactly how many listeners I got last week. I guess downloads. I got 1,611 downloads last week on Spreaker on my, so on the, you know, that's, I think how many people, I think that's aggregating everything from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any other platform. So I think that's kind of like the total, I'll tell you what, if that's the download number for just Spreaker and all those other apps actually have separate download numbers beyond that, then that's a a really good number, but it's, that's, I think that's probably uh, an aggregate of all of the uh, pa- podcast platforms. So, you know, listen, that's we're talking to 1,600 people. That's great. That's phenomenal. That's worth doing a podcast. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. I don't... Is it commercially viable, though? Can I take 1,600 downloads and go out and sell enough advertising to make a living, that's where I get skeptical. So anyway, that would be where I would say best of luck to him on that. That's going to be tough, but I hope he can do it. You know, Frankly, it was, uh, it, was, it was an idea that I wanted to explore myself, so it'll be really interesting to see somebody try to do that, try to be financially successful running a podcast in, uh, in Rochester. So, and, and yeah, Leo. Why did you come down in the basement? I come in the basement because I didn't want to wake you and mommy up while I record my podcast. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you. You're. Yeah. That's when my Polar Express train looks right. I see it. Leo has a Polar Express train, and it looks awesome. All right, Leo. Let's talk about Feast of the Seven Fishes menu before we get to good and bad bosses. Daddy. So I ripped my wrote my yes, Leo. Daddy, have you watched Beauty and the Beast? I do like Beauty and the Beast. That's one of my favorite shows. When you were my age? I think, yeah. I watched Beauty and the Beast when I was your age, and when I was older, they did a new version of it and a live-action version just a few years ago. What was it about? It's about a young lady whose father gets trapped in a, in a, by a former prince who's been turned into a beast with a spell. And so she goes out to find him, and she trades herself for him, and the beast starts to imprison this woman. But then love finds a way, and they start to understand each other in a different way. And um, the overall lesson of the movie, I think, is that imprisonment of a woman can make her fall in love with you. I don't know if that's a good lesson now that I think about it. Daddy has to do a podcast. Do you want to go upstairs? Okay, uh, Feast of the Seven Fishes menu. Here we go. Here's what I'm going to do. So, first of all, appetizer round is the big round. We're doing crab, of course, the big king crab legs. I think they call them the 9 to 12s, you know, the giant ones. And we're going to do the colossal shrimp as well. Pretty simple, pretty easy. The thing I like about the appetizer for from a culinary standpoint, from a cook standpoint, is we keep that very, very easy. That part we just want... To you know, the crab legs I simply boil in some sugar water. The shrimp is just shrimp cocktail, so you just put it out there basically. And we want to spend all our time concentrating on the actual meal. So the actual meal, here's what we got. We got some bacalao, which is salt cod. We're gonna do some more cod for some traditional fish fry, some haddock for some more fish fry. I'll probably also bake off a tiny bit of the haddock and the cod for those looking for a healthier option. Um, I will do lobster mac and cheese. That was a hit last year. Also, 
perch. I uh, couldn't find any lake perch, so we're going to do ocean perch again this year, which is still pretty good. I will do a clam and anchovy pasta. Uh, what am I missing here? I'm going to probably throw a lasagna in just for uh, those because I do have a bigger group this year. I think I've got about 19 adults coming, so I want to have some options for anyone who maybe doesn't love fish. We will do a little calamari, a.k.a squid but i learned if i call it calamari it goes better and then some sides baked potato salad etc etc so no zuba di pesce this year no no okay um last topic let's get to the big thing here let's talk about the uh, bosses bad bosses good bosses i spent the entire week sort of concentrating on this and thinking about what exactly would make a bad boss and a good boss. And here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through the traits of a bad boss first. And then I thought the best way to do this would be to go through what I think the traits of a good boss are. And some of them speak directly to, you know, kind of counterpoint one through five of the bad boss thing. So boss number one, bad boss, toxic boss. So a boss who creates... I'll say, a, a, well, I guess the best word is to say a boss who is toxic, a boss who is playing employees off of each other. And I'll give you a good example of this. Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, was the victim of an ESPN deep dive a handful of years ago. And in it, it said that Jimmy Haslam was sort of famous for bringing employees in and bringing employee A in and saying, hey, you know, employee A, boy, I really, you know, think you're doing a great job. Tell me, though, you know, help me make a couple decisions here about employee B. What do we think about employee B? And employee B, who I spoke to as well, had this and that to say about you as far as, you know, things you could work on. Then employee B comes in and he does the exact same thing. Hey, tell me about employee A. What do you think of them? What are they doing good? What could they be doing better? And by the way, here's what they said about you. So pitting them against each other and making himself the sort of guy that they're competing for his attention and his affection. And that's just toxic. And I've had bosses like that before. I've absolutely had bosses before who back in radio days used to call the, the Wee's show in like one by one and would ask us questions, but then also tell us what everyone else had said <laughs> and was just pitting us against each other, basically creating a toxicity. I think the uh, and that and these, by the way, are in no particular order. I just think these are five things. But number two, I would say a boss, and this is probably the the single worst thing you can do as a boss, quite frankly, within legal reason. I mean, there are illegal things you could do that would be worse, but this is the worst thing you can do, and it happens so often. And that is a boss who just fails to see you. This is a boss who just overlooks you. They don't give you opportunities. They don't consider you for things. They don't value your opinion. Um, somebody who just has absolutely no sort of handle on what your career path aspirations are and just fails to see you in general. That's number two. Number three, uh, and this is just, this happens all the time, unfortunately, and it's a sign of a terrible boss. And that is a boss who takes credit, but spreads blame when good things happen, right? It's because they're a great boss. When bad things happen, it's because the system broke down somewhere and somebody else must have done something wrong. Um, next thing, and this is something that I will admit to you that I struggle with, micromanaging. Bosses who want to see it done their way and get a little pissed off when it's not being done their way, this is something that I have slowly but surely had to learn the, the, the hard way. Yeah, What, buddy? I'm sorry. What is this? That's a bag. That's a grocery bag. Um, so anyway, so uh, micromanaging, I would say, is uh, on the of the things on here is probably the thing that I 
have uh, thought in, that I, I need to work on. Still, to this day, I think I've gotten better in a couple of years, but I'm not perfect at it. Um, and then the final thing I've thought of bad, for bad bosses is subjective decision-making. Long story short, what I'm trying to say here is this is a boss who plays favorites. That's it. Plays favorites. We've all seen them. We've all had them. A boss who just kind of has a group of people that they like, and those people seem to get all the breaks. Mm-hmm. Good bosses. Okay. And some of these speak directly to as a counterpoint. So number one, a boss who has a clear vision of where the business is heading. And again, I've written a little asterisk here as to admit, this is a spot where I struggle. I tend to be a little all over the place. I think um, I do think I have some pretty classic entrepreneur traits where I'm a little crazy and a little bit I'm a bit of a risk taker and I'm ready to try this and I'm ready to try that. And uh, I struggle with having just a clear vision. I think I have a vision and I express my vision. I mean, my team knows our vision is to make safe quality food, to do it at an affordable price and to do it at a volume that allows us to make the money to grow our business. Okay. Within that though, I'm often you know, taking left and right turns. And I think sometimes I've left my employees kind of verklempt as far as like, well, what does he want from us? You know, and, and I admit it. I admit it. That's a, a place where I'm still trying to really work on myself. Um, more things for good bosses. I think a, a good boss is aware of and helps you with your career path. A good boss has a relationship with you, is checking in with you, and is making sure that you are happy, feeling heard, and on the correct career path. Yes, Leo. Can I go check out my birthday party toys? I got to my birthday party. Yes, you can. The birthday party toys are here in the uh, basement. Um, and he... Yep, you did. See, what we do is we kind of hide them because he has too many toys because he's the only grandson. <laughs> so um, he's got toys down here in the basement that will kind of cycle up once in a while. We'll come down and grab 10 or so and bring 10 down. So anyway... Um, good bosses take blame but spread credit. Yeah, it's the exact opposite of the thing with the bad bosses. A good boss is going to be the type of person who, when something good happens, is going to make sure the team knows they are the reason it happened. And when something bad happens, is going to be the first one to say, the buck stops here. Um, next up, good bosses act as mentors. Good bosses give advice. They don't hold back information. They're not afraid of being overtaken by their employees. They don't want anyone. They, they're not afraid of or insecure about people knowing more than them. And so they are willing to act as a mentor and essentially teach someone everything they know. And then finally, the good boss, last thing I, I wrote down of the five points is objective decision making. A good boss is able to see the whole field and understand what the best play is to call and not necessarily filter in things like, yeah, but which ones of these guys are my buddies? Who do I owe a favor to? That kind of stuff. Okay. All right. Well, it looks like my co-host is itching to go upstairs. Leo, do you want to say anything? Do you want to say Merry Christmas to the people? Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk in a few weeks.